Hi, this is Dr. Rebecca May coming to you from Arcana Labs. And this is Road to Reno. Hello, welcome to Road to Reno. This is uh, Rebecca May, and this morning I have Dr. Sharma with us, and um, he has requested to interview me for the final um, episode of our podcast. Thanks a lot for giving this opportunity, Rebecca. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. It's exciting. Um, yeah, I was also looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will start right away, Rebecca. Okay. Why did you start this series, Road to Reno? Well, um, initially it was because the fellowship has a social media aspect. Mm -hmm. So um, Dr. Macias brought this up, that they wanted to do something on social media. And um, I was really a social media novice. Mm -hmm. I am prone to scroll through Facebook without posting anything myself, a lurker, new on Twitter. But um, I liked the idea of doing an interview style podcast because it got, or it gave me the chance to really get to know all the attendings here a lot better. What was your favorite part of the podcast? I think learning about people's childhood. I think those are interesting stories that don't come up a lot at work. And so I found some, some cool stories, also ones that might have been cut out due to time. So <laughs> little secrets that I have about people that I'm not sure if everybody knows. <laughs> so you spoke to a lot of you know, pathologists. Was there something which has stayed with you? I think the dedication has really stayed with me. People are very dedicated, and I'm sure that's true across medical specialties. But people have a desire to do the right things for the patients. Yeah. And like especially when I talked to Dr. Walker and he talked about the early days of Arcana and how he would ship his microscope to meetings so he could continue to give patients results in a timely manner. Yeah. I mean, th these kind of things were just extraordinary for me to hear. So like those those ways that people really go the extra mile uh -huh. are just incredible. And I, I think patients don't always realize, That's especially since we're behind the scenes, mm -hmm. um, all the things that people are doing to give them a good and accurate and timely result. That's true. So tell me about your road to Reno, your major milestones in life, roadblocks, what were the resources which helped you to be where you are right now? Well, um, <clears throat> I was at Penn doing a pathology residency uh, after an MD-PhD there, so I'd spent a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. And I loved SearchPath. And so, um, as you know, we decide like two years in advance what to do our fellowship in. So I applied for a search path and stayed. We had a great surgical pathology fellowship at Penn. And um, also just fell in love with cytology. Um, it was, I, I consider it a subspecialty in the sense that um, you really see the same types of specimens over and over again, even though it, it can be quite varied. Mm -hmm. And so I also wanted to learn cytology and sign out cytology. Mm -hmm. um, but along the way, um, I just really fell in love with benign diseases. Mm. I always wanted to learn more about them, get more involved in that sort of thing, as opposed to cancer. Mm -hmm. And I liked renal a lot. And somebody suggested spending 
more time with our renal pathologist, Dr. Palmer at Penn. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to focus my search path on that. And um, our elective time, which we had a little bit of elective time, I would spend with him and I would do renal projects Mm -hmm. and do all my journal clubs on medical renal. He suggested, he knew Chris Larson and knew that I wanted to learn more about renal. Mm-hmm. And we we didn't get that many cases at Penn. And I had about a, a week of an official rotation as a resident on renal. So it wasn't enough. And he suggested if I really wanted to learn about renal, to not go to conferences or lectures, but to spend time in a place that had a lot of biopsies. Mm-hmm. And he suggested Arcana. He knew Chris Larson. And he said that I should just reach out to them and see if I could come for a week. Sure. And um, I was a chief fellow at that time, and so they gave me sort of special permission to rotate. Mm-hmm. Chris um, was very nice and passed me on to Nydia. Macias, the fellowship director who arranged the visit. Um, and so I came out for a week, and within an hour of being here and going to conference, I was so impressed. I didn't mm-hmm. know a place like this existed. Uh-huh. Um, and throughout that week, I just would come home and call my husband and, you know, rave about it. And I was falling in love with renal pathology. And I uh, certainly remember you giving me a lecture, uh-huh. actually, when I was here. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the beginning, you asked, like, what I wanted to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, oh, I, I want to be able to maybe one day sign out renal path, but I'm general. And you were like, okay, I'll keep it basic. And I was like, N- and like no, I don't want you to keep it basic. <laughs> and then um, after the lecture, you said, you should come work here. Mm-hmm. And I said, they're not, <laughs> not going to hire me here. I don't have a fellowship. <laughs> and you were like, you should come work here. Uh-huh. Um, and you were just so encouraging. And I, uh-huh. I do remember that. Um, but I just couldn't shake the feeling that this was a place where I was really supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I loved the material. I loved the people. Um, Dr. Silva spent so much time with me that week. I, I couldn't get over that somebody this famous mm-hmm. and such an amazing teacher was spending hours a day with me. Mm-hmm. Um, just so generous with his time and everyone's time here. I spent a lot of time with people here just during that one week. And... Um, you know, went home and discussed it with uh, my family, and we thought, I think now's the time for a change. Mm-hmm. We would love to move to Little Rock. Great. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a long explanation, but uh, it, it was a little bit hard to move from Philadelphia to Little Rock, but mm-hmm. once we really thought about it and thought about our life goals, I, I knew that this was where I wanted to yeah. be. So when you said during my pathology residency, I started falling in love with Reno. Mm-hmm. How was that happening? Yeah. What What was happening and why you were falling in, uh, falling in love with renal? It really started with GU. Okay. And uh, I liked the bladder a lot, the urethelium. Mm-hmm. It made sense to me. I could understand the molecular behind it. I, I liked looking at the slides. And since I was really drawn to benign things, I kind of wanted to expand my scope in GU to include like sort of headed towards like GU and renal okay. to like include that knowledge base. So how was that movement from bladder to kidney happening? Like how did that happen? Yeah, so I um, we had one week rotation in mm-hmm. residency and I remember at the start of the rotation looking at Dr. Palmer, who was our, um, who's our only renal pathologist at Penn. 
and and saying this week I'm going to learn renal pathology. I really want to learn, and so I am I am here. I want to learn renal pathology and see if I could do that. Like I think I could do that this week. Sure. And he kind of laughed at me a little, uh-huh. <laughs> and, said, and said, "It takes years, but." <laughs> <laughs> see what we can do uh-huh. in this one week that I was also splitting with medical liver. Okay. So <laughs> it was a tall order for a week, but I got a taste of it. And he showed me IF, which I had never seen before, um, because we really didn't do any IF ourselves. That was something mm-hmm. more an attending-driven service of pen. Sure. Um, and so it just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that this was there. The nephrologist would come by and... Um, talk with us in the afternoons every day about whatever cases had come out, look under the scope. And it was just something really interesting that I had never really thought about before. And so that sort of pushed me into thinking more about renal to where, and, and that was late in my residency, to where during the Surge Path Fellowship, I didn't want to let my elective time go by unused. I wanted to have a focus and mm-hmm. a, a drive for that. And so I thought medical reno would be a good way to do that. So as I started getting more involved in it, I think I just grew to appreciate it even more. When when I started, I was thinking maybe I could sign this out at another center that had somebody to like mentor me sure. along the way, and I could learn over, over years. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into more of a primary interest, especially after coming to Arcana for that week. I think that's what really tipped me over into thinking I want to do this long term. So what exactly in renal was attractive for you? You have to go back to your time. Mm -hmm. Because in most of the pathology residencies, residents don't get an exposure to renal. So they don't even get a chance to fall in love with renal, right? Yeah. So we need to come up with some traits, like what is inside us, like some traits which are just trying to come out from out of us, right? So what were those traits, do you think? Like, was it the complexity of the branch? Was it the interaction? What specifically in renal was attracting you? I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think one is the is that it's, it, it's non-tumor, and that really opens you up to having to integrate a lot of clinical data and talking to the nephrologist into what you're seeing on this slide. Mm -hmm. Because it's not as simple as seeing a tumor and recognizing it and then classifying it. It like involves a lot of integration. And I always, especially with my PhD experience, I really appreciated the subspecialty where you can really get down into the weeds and learn everything about one topic well. And so I think that's true for some of these specialties like medical liver, like derm, and even like benign lung, right? Where you might have a pattern, but the pattern itself doesn't tell you what the cause is. Mm-hmm. It's a whole bunch of things. And so you have to integrate all those things. And it it sort of allows you to be almost more well-rounded as a clinician. You're really using all those skills that you have been building since medical school, really the clinical skills all together with with what you're seeing on the slide. Mm. And even incorporating a lot of CP, which AP is starting to do more and more, Mm -hmm. but we really use a lot of our CP training and understanding the patterns and how these tests are run and what they mean and and all of that sort of comes together. We know not to take a test at face value, positive or negative. We know mm-hmm. the ramifications to those tests. So I think 
allowing me to incorporate all that and still feel like I understand a field deeply it is very valuable to me. This was very helpful, Excellent. Rebecca, because I have seen during my residency also, and I have seen continuously like residents struggling a lot to decide what speciality to choose. Yes. And most of us end up going after like hot branches, you know, like, oh, am I going to get a job after that? Oh, everyone is doing that. Let me choose that branch. Yeah. So we don't go inside and look into ourselves and explore that. No, this is me and this branch will be best for me. So what you have said is going to be very helpful for all the residents who are exploring themselves and who are deciding to uh, make a decision like what speciality should I choose? You know, so thank are you, you the that. one that says that? Um <laughs> this might be from you, and I can't remember now. Um, that you hire a person and not a specialty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's something else that stuck with me, right? I had one more question on what you said. You said you came for rotation at Arcana, and within a few years, you had fallen in love with this place. So, oh, within a few minutes. Within a few hours. minutes. So what was that? What was going on here, which was different from other places? Uh, well, one of the first things that I experienced was was the consensus conference. Mm -hmm. And it was so amazing and different to me because I'd been to a lot of consensus conferences, you know, in, in general search path or even like uh, different specialties that we had at Penn. But I'd never seen so many true specialists. Like medical renal is a very um, small field of people that know how to do that well. Mm -hmm. And here was 15 of them talking and bringing up latest research papers and well, I've studied this and I think this and just adding layers upon layers to each case. It wasn't, is it this or this, move on. Mm -hmm. Is it this or this? And it wasn't the most senior person in the room of which there was numerous senior people in the room talking over everyone else, it was you know, the fellows were involved in the conversation that they had read a paper and this and that. And the level of discussion was just so elevated. Mm -hmm. And I I was just so impressed by, by that, by this merging of really of 15 highly qualified renal pathologists and everyone had a voice and everyone's voice was important. And the the level of discussion was just really elevated. It was amazing. So Rebecca, your journey is amazing. You did a uh, MD-PhD, you did a pathology residency, you did a surgical path fellowship, you did a cytopath fellowship, and after that, you found your true calling. Mm -hmm. It was a long journey. What advice are you going to give to a pathology resident who has just joined the pathology residency in the first year? If that particular resident comes to you and says that, how should I find my calling, Rebecca? How are you going to approach that question? I think first-year residents ask that a lot, mm -hmm. um, especially you know if you're doing a three-year residency and you're applying that summer. Mm -hmm. it, I, I think that part of the training needs to be changed. That needs to be pushed back. But my general advice to people looking is to keep your first year very varied between CP, AP, try as many things as you can and find what you love. Find what you just really enjoy and find the things that you really don't enjoy mm -hmm. and try to move away from those and towards the things that you really like. Because um, whatever you choose, people will expect you to do that thing. Mm -hmm. So there's no sense in doing something because you think it will be marketable if you don't enjoy it. That's really good. Last question on this topic. Is there one thing 
you wished you knew when you started your pathology residency? It's difficult at the beginning to see the end and to see that there will be an end because there's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of bonding. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but that you will get that you will get through it and that you just have to plug through because it's a marathon and not a race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you study when you can incrementally. You add on knowledge. You go after what you want. Um, you know, you fight for things that you want. If you know you want to do a certain rotation or a certain thing, you ask for it mm-hmm. repeatedly, <laughs> you know, um, And yeah, otherwise you just sort of go along with the ride and you listen to people that have been there before you and that have good advice and and you try to take it as much as possible. Sure. What is success for you, Rebecca? So success for me um, personally, I believe is defined by happiness. Mm -hmm. So am I happy at any given point in my life? And I think so much goes into happiness, your home life, your work life, and you spend so much time at work that if you're happy at work and successful at work, mm-hmm. that um, I feel very happy overall, and I think that translates. So um, for me, it's, it's very simple. It's it's whether I'm, whether I'm happy. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, happiness is important for all of us, right? I mean, you can talk about success as well in in terms of, you know, your work success. Like, I love publishing. I love new research. I love learning new things. I love um, not having to ask as many questions about mm-hmm. cases as time goes on. All that are, like, are small measures of success that add to my general happiness. How will you define your success in kidney pathology? You will know, I am a successful kidney pathologist. How will you know? I think when I feel a general sense of comfort with most things okay, is when I know that I will have fully made it. Um, because I, I feel very comfortable after this rigorous training program, mm-hmm. knowing when I need to ask questions and when I need someone else's input. And I think that's an excellent place to be. But I think, um, you know, really feeling comfortable with most of it And also, maybe when people start to ask me questions. So if we make a movie on your life, Definitely what would be the genre of that movie? Oh, gosh. <laughs> gosh, I don't know. What are the genres? Um... Action, adventure, <laughs> horror. Maybe comedy. <laughs> That's a good one, right? That keeps you happy. <laughs> Maybe comedy of errors and just <laughs> eventually ending up where you want to be. <laughs> okay. Good. So now we'll switch to rapid fire questions, <clears throat> which you enjoy. That is your favorite part. I do. I like that part a lot. Yeah. Describe yourself in three words. Definitely would include perseverance. Okay. Curious. And then somehow incorporating care, like care for my children, like care for my family. I, I do um, strive to like be that person, especially for my family. That's really good. Can you pitch kidney pathology fellowship to a pathology resident? Of course. 
Bridget. I have. <laughs> so kidney pathology is a amazing specialty to choose because you get to interact with clinicians that are highly invested in their patients and their patient outcomes. You get to incorporate all that data into what you see under the slide, and you get to be part of a rapidly involving field with all sorts of interesting research and cool things coming out um, every day. Yeah, very good. <clears throat> good, Rebecca. <laughs> now I would ask you to pitch pathology residency to a medical student. I fell in love with pathology really easily once I had tried it. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that I would encourage medical students to do is do a single rotation in in um, in like an APCP mix or something to just get exposure. Because there are so many cool things happening in pathology that people don't know about. Mm-hmm. We We make most of the diagnoses in the hospital whether it's on the lab side or whether it's in AP, um, because tests are constantly being ordered and relied upon. And people think about it like a black magic box where mm-hmm. the answer just comes out, but we actually provide that answer. And so we make a huge impact in clinical care that is a little unrecognized, but we also just get to work and think and interact with other doctors. People call us the doctor's doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that so valuable. So I, it's very cool field. That's good. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I think, without having thought about this too much, because if I actually could do this, this would be like a several-week endeavor where I look into it. It would be like the president of the United States. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't actually want to be the president. <laughs> but I love politics and I love all the historical stuff about like the White House and all the the things going on behind the scenes uh-huh. and I would want to very quickly sign some executive orders about healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That answers my next question. My next question was, where would you go if you were invisible? So I know the answer basically for that question. <laughs> Is there any other place you would like to choose besides the White House? Oh, man, the White House would be amazing to be invisible. And you could just lurk around. And I would go bowling. Uh-huh. <laughs> the underground would be amazing. I'll ask you an easy one right now. Okay. What compliment does people give you the most? In work, the compliment that I'd gotten most like throughout PhD residency is that I made complex subjects easy to understand. Most compliment, most uh, common compliment during fellowship? During this fellowship? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing very well. <laughs> You're doing great. That's good. <laughs> Have you ever tried to do something you know you would be really bad at? What was it? Anything to do with computers and (laughs) analyzing large sets of data. Like Uh I've definitely when, um, way back when I was at the NIH and trying to analyze these like huge data sets, that was a horrible (laughs) experience. (laughs) Also like, I love sports 
And so I'll try new sports, but um, some of them I'm fine, but some of them I'm really bad at. I was on the volleyball team in high school and I was horrible. I was the only <laughs> one that couldn't do an overhand serve. <laughs> I was cool. great at soccer, I was great at track, but vol- I just I kept with it, but it was not mm-hmm. my not my thing. Okay. If you could choose your nickname, what would it be? Oh. I have a sweet one that my son calls me. <laughs> what is that? He calls me Mama Llama. <laughs> <laughs> I call cuz I call him Sama Jama. <laughs> That's really sweet though. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise like a general nickname, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> You'll have to come up with one. <laughs> I can come up with many, but I'll come up with one. <laughs> Any pet peeves? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have lots of pet peeves. One. I try to keep them under wraps. <laughs> Arrogance is a huge, huge pet peeve, especially when people don't have the stuff to back it up. Let me ask you an easy question now. Two things you would change about yourself. How is that an easy question? <laughs> I would have unlimited energy and I wish that I had a uh, photographic memory. What is one thing you would like to tell the world you think they don't know about you? I'm a pretty open book. I'd be surprised if people don't. <laughs> That's probably This was really good, Rebecca. I really had a lot of fun and I got to know a lot about you. Is there anything else you want to tell me about yourself? I think you covered a lot of the bases. So I, I think uh, I think it's a pretty good picture. Yeah. So if the, our listeners wants to connect with you, want to get in touch with you and ask you more questions, how they can do that? Anytime. Um, you can um, look me up on Twitter. It's Rebecca May underscore RP. For Renal Path. That's me. Great. Thanks a lot, Rebecca. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, you too. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes store. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.